we don't get into the ice bath to get good at taking ice baths or to be the best at it or the longest or the coldest or whatever. We get in the ice bath to get good at life. What's up, lovely ladies? Dr. Emily Kybert here with Thyroid Strong Podcast. I am a chiropractor, a mama to Elvis in Brooklyn, and I have Hashimoto's, but it's currently in remission. On this podcast, I share simple, actionable steps with a little bit of tough love on how to lose that stubborn weight, get your energy and your life back, and finally learn how to work out without burning out, living with Hashimoto's. Kristen Weitzel, welcome to Thyroid Strong Podcast. I'm super excited to have you on because we've known each other for so long and seen each other's evolution. It's so good. It's so good. I was just recently telling someone the story about us in Patagonia and I'm always like, damn, that was fun times. So we were a little good. younger, we were a little crazier. Why didn't we do in a cold, like a natural cold immersion there? I have no idea. I think we were like cold most of the time or something, but we should have. <laughs> Regrets. I've had a few. We'll have to go back. We'll have to, to go back. Everyone behind and go back. I really want to go to Antarctica too. Ooh, girls trip. We'll take. We'll just have Nico, our guide, take us there. I know. Yeah. What's up, Nico? <laughs> What's up, Nico? So your Instagram handle is Warrior Woman Mode. You lead Sherpa Breath and Cold. I actually have not done a cold immersion for more than a minute. For someone who's never experienced it, they're like, "Yeah, I've taken a cold shower, maybe." How would you describe the experience? Start to finish. Start to finish. So getting in the least amount of clothing possible, not mandatory. Some women will come and, you know, men and women, all types of bodies and all types of lifestyle choices. I work with athletes and I work with people who have like never been in cold before and are really nervous. And some people are like, I'm going to stay in my fitness clothes. I just, you know, there's something about like it. I'll be a little bit warmer if I'm a little bit more covered up. But the object of the game is sort of, you know, what's the least amount of clothes you can wear comfortably. And getting into a cold water immersion. And that could mean an ice bath that's in your backyard in a plastic tub. It could mean a converted chest freezer, which sounds a little bit crazy, but it might be like one of those meat freezers that's top loading that's been converted and sealed so you can put water in it. So it doesn't have ice cubes, but the water is quite cold. And it could be something like a fancy schmancy forge like I have in my backyard, which is self-filtering and ozonated. And you know you have to really be in love with the cold to purchase or save up and invest in one of those. And it could be the most beautiful way to do it in some ways is when you're also able to ground. And if you're lucky enough to live near some kind of cold-ish body of water, or it's the winter by you, and there's like a stream or a river or something that you don't ever do that alone. It's always important to go with someone, but it's really beautiful to do it in nature sometimes. And yeah, and that can range in temperature as well. So starting from where you're at and finding what is the easiest way for you. I have some people I work with that are like, I have a good jacuzzi tub at home. Let me go to the 99 cent store and buy some bags of ice and, and see what that will be like. So you can you can start where you're at and getting it cold enough that it feels like something you wouldn't naturally just ease yourself into. Most there. of the time I'm I'm leaning towards like a sub 40 degrees, but when you look at research, there's plenty of people doing a lot of research in that 50 to 56 degree temp with athletes and with people who are training for things. And there's an arc, right? You can take a little bit longer and something that's a little bit, when I say warmer, I don't really mean warm, but warmer than super cold. And when you first stand next to the body of water or the tub that you're going to get into, you will have the thing that is anticipation of the cold is worse than the cold itself. 
right? Most of us are going from a air conditioned car to a house to a this to a that and a temperature controlled, or maybe it's heated. And so we're just not used to being in the cold quite often. So you stand next to the bath and you think, holy shit, this feels like it might be cold. <laughs> What's this going to do? And I spend time with people typically like with Sherpa Breath and Cold or my instructor training or my community sessions or the one-on-one clients I have, letting people know they can use their breath to reverse engineer the nervous system. And that's important because what do we think happens when we step into cold? Our nervous system is like, oh, what am I doing? Thankfully, it's like that, right? Our bodies are beautifully designed to be like, hey, this doesn't feel like this would be good for a long time. So it's going to give you a response that maybe your initial feeling is, I'd like to get out. And one of my colleagues of who's up in Canada who runs a company called Unbounded calls the bliss point. I call it the turnover. I will keep calling it the turnover because this is this beautiful thing that happens between the 32nd and 92nd mark of getting fully submerged in the cold. So by fully submerged, the very best thing you can do for yourself, even though no one believes me until they really do it, is step in, step in without hesitation or expectation all the way up to your neck. Arms submerged. Arms and everything. (laughs) And that's because it will activate sort of this mammalian dive response, slow your heart rate and just get your body all the way right in and it gets attenuated to it. You have a turnover more quickly. And so in the first 30 to 90 seconds, you'll have this turnover, which is a combination of all of the blood being shunted to your core. It's protecting your organs and your brain. And it's creating in the long term, it's creating a detox effect and like lymphatic movement. And at the same time, there is a a, a parallel process happening, which is you getting in the cold and thinking to yourself, this is super cold. Why did I do this? Oh my God, there's a couple F-bombs that come out. And then all of a sudden you realize about 30 seconds plus in, I'm doing the hard thing. I'm doing the thing that I said. I'm in integrity. I'm holding myself accountable and being in this cold water. And you start to realize like you're actually doing the thing. And so there's sort of mental component coupled with dopamine and adrenaline that's hitting your body. And it is having you understand from a brain chemistry and a physical capacity that you are okay, you're in control. And that turnover then happens where you see someone, I physically see it now that I put like 2000 people in in the water, maybe more, I don't know. You physically can see someone surrender. And by surrender, I don't mean give up. I just mean stop muscling through the, oh my God, this is so darn cold. I don't know what to do. I have to get out. And that is a waiting game. And that is also a breath game, which is why the two are completely coupled, right? Breath and cold have to go together in some way. And even if I told you, breathe how you want, your body's going to do something, right? It might go, or it might be like, shit, whose idea was this, Emily? (laughs) And then staying in, everyone says to me, how long do I stay in? And you stay in the cold as long as it is a minimum effective dose of stress for you, right? We don't need to do the Joe Rogan 22 minutes in the cold shivering response until we are like flailing and convulsing. That doesn't feel like a good place to go, especially for anyone who's dealing with autoimmune or Hashi ladies out there, men, women, whatever. So what is a minimum effective dose of stress for you? And that's, we have to make some autonomous choice and that can be hard because it's cold. We want to get out and we're like, I think this is enough time. Let me go. Let me get out. And then when you get out, the most beautiful thing happens. So let's say like first timers, I typically say, let's go for two minutes, maybe three. And then when you get out, you have this cascade of bliss chemicals. So you have oxytocin and the dopamine response is hitting and your body basically says to itself, wow, we just survived this amazing thing. We're safe. We're happy. We're excited. 
And sometimes people are singing, sometimes people just get really chatty. And that response sort of kicks off the cascade of positive benefits of the cold. So we get in and it's a sympathetic nervous system response and we manage it with our breath. And we get out and we have a parasympathetic rebound, which is like where the happy place is. So it's type two fun. It's fun after you're done until you get used to it. And like, for me, I'm like, it's fun the whole time. (laughs) You know, I just want to tell people out there that like, it is the anticipation of the cold that is worse than the cold itself. And especially with females, I mean, work with men too, but especially with women, the way that we have some negative self-talk, let's just put it that way. Or we're not so great to ourselves in the mirror or around our confidence level sometimes, especially when we're not feeling great. It really gives us an opportunity to understand our real true capacity, the one that we like showed up with in this world. And so I love that. It's amazing. How does someone know the minimum effective dose? Like, are there certain signs or? Yeah, it's a great question. The If you don't know where you're at and you feel like, let's, you know, just say there's a, there are some contraindications. You have high blood pressure or a pacemaker. You have a really challenging heart condition. You know, like, there's a case to be made that you should speak to your doctor and make sure it's okay for you. There's also a way to play a bit with it from a temperature standpoint. You know, maybe you start at 50 degrees and that's good. Maybe work yourself down to the high 30s or something when you want to get a little more badass in that way, but it doesn't define you. Like, oh, I went in a little warmer. People get competitive. I went as like 38. I was always 42 or you suck. Or you see that with the guys <laughs> a lot. You see that with the men a lot. They're all competing that. on like time and temperature. Mine was cold. At some point they're like in a block of ice. Like mine is frozen. <laughs> so knowing the time is like, if you don't know and you feel nervous, I think it's important to try to shoot for two minutes. It's really you against you. So if last time you went in, it was like 30 seconds and you do a minute, Awesome. That's a win. If you do 31 seconds, it's a win, right? It's a little bit longer. It's a little bit more adapted to the cold. And you will find that initially in the early stages, you adapt pretty quickly. So just getting an understanding of what it feels like, because the first time is always the scariest. And then you're like, okay, I know what to expect. Shooting for that two to three minute mark and then playing with the time. The goal is to get out and have somewhat of a shiver response. The shiver response is where a lot of the magic happens. People try to constantly like warm up and quell it or run or get in the sauna right away or all of that. And what we want is the body to do the work because that's when the body's like, oh, just like if we're doing sprint work, the body thinks, oh, we just got chased by a tiger faster and harder than ever before. I better adapt. So next time the tiger chases me, I'm better at this cellularly or cardiovascularly. And in the cold, we get out and we're like, oh, I better adapt to this cold. I better create some brown adipose tissue and get my thermogenesis in order so I can actually tolerate cold better next time. And so that's where the kind of magic happens is in the shiver. Huberman talks a lot about that. You know, he's been talking and really popularized. Besides Wim Hof, I think from a science standpoint, he's popularized so much around the cold. Yeah, It's kind of cool. So someone who has an autoimmune condition, like Hashimoto's is listening in and they're thinking, why would I do this? Other than the the happy feeling afterwards, what are some things, like what are some things, some benefits, especially to the autoimmune population? Like I know there's improved sleep, right? And the Hashi ladies are always like tired, but wired at night and they have insomnia. For sure. The sleep thing is huge. I will say this, like Anyone who's listening has been diagnosed or, you know, has some sort of autoimmune condition. And this includes, although it's not autoimmune, it's circulatory, like Raynaud's disease. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of people who they're working with a medical practitioner because they want to get better. And that's perfectly normal and great. There's a lot of Western medicine, and I'm certainly not anti-Western medicine. I think we have to have a lot of autonomy for our own bodies. I think much like the beautiful thing you always talk about, you go with Hashi's to your medical professional and they're like, don't lift heavy, more yoga, like that still lives and that's still wrong. And plenty of women that show up with autoimmune conditions and we work a lot in that slow, steady, strong space because it's not about rushing it. And it's also about, okay, so you did like three reps of a super heavy weight and 
Great. So I think that there's, let's not call it confusion. Let's just talk about those differentiating opinions and there's old literature and new and people continue to learn. And I'm certainly not a medical doctor, but what I see and what I witness time and time again is people who are autonomously saying, okay, so I've been advised by my Western medical doctor who is advising you based on, I will not advise you otherwise if I haven't seen 20 years of actual peer-reviewed double-blind research to not be in hyper cold or hyper heat. I am not, Renaud's is the same. It's like circulation issues. So stay in a temperate climate. But what we're not doing is we're not creating this like resiliency or adaptation to anything when we do that. And so the more I've had people come and explore, and I talk to a lot of other like leaders in the space of cold exposure, the more we have people coming anecdotally in droves to say, I've tried all the things, nothing else is working for my Renaud's, for my Hashi's, for my autoimmune condition, we start with safety in mind and they start with minimum effective dose, maybe even erring on the side of wild caution. And then there's change. I'm never going to use the word cure, but I will say mitigating symptoms in a massive way is happening for people. And sleep, which is the baseline frontier for people who want more energy and who want more, you know, we're only as fit as what we can recover from. Sleep is one of the biggest wins of cold exposure. I thought in the beginning when I was doing it all the time, and I mean, I do it all the time now, I just, I don't suggest, and this is an important point for females more than males, I don't suggest that women do it every day, especially autoimmune-based or hormonal dysregulation. And that could mean perimenopause, or that could mean amenorrhea, or that could mean anything that if, you, if you've taken blood work and your hormones are kind of all over the place, good to do two to three times a week. And by the way, like who else, unless you have an ice bath in your backyard, like I do, who wants to be like, I'm at the store, I'm schlepping his workout of the day is like strong, steady lifting and bags of ice. And then I'm driving <laughs> home and then I'm, you know, it's, it's a lot of work. Right. I used to walk up three flights of stairs with 150 <laughs> pounds of ice before I would plunge clients. And I was like, oh, I'm getting my workout into my pre-cold plunge time, but you do that two or three times a week, win. It's already a win. But I just, if it's easy for you, if you have a, a cold body of water in your backyard and you haven't been doing this your whole life, hello, Finland and Scandinavia and <laughs> some people in Asia, but if you haven't been doing this your whole life, then it's like better play it safe than sorry, right? Two to three times a week is plenty. You're going to get adaptation. You're not going to over adapt. You're going to build resiliency and you're going to support your hormone profile in, in a curative way or in a healthier way to mitigate symptoms and circulatory, all of that. But the point of what I'm trying to say is when I started, I was like, oh, I'm going to love it in the morning because I'm going to get in the cold. It's going to boost me. I'm going to be like, yes, taking on the day. And what I found was uh, what I really loved is cold plunging at sunset because it's like around sunset time or maybe the sun's just gone down. It's like nice to do it at sunset because there's still light and it's still a little warmth in the air, if, depending on where you are. I was in LA and I'd get out and I'd have like a little bit of time to kind of like sit, unwind, shiver response, all of that. Then immediately or very shortly thereafter, you get super hungry. Your metabolism is boosted like 300% for about the next like 20 to 36 hours, depending. And then you're like, I'm super hungry. Perfect time to eat dinner. Right. And then like, it's still like early enough that you're a few hours before sleep and you like plunge, you eat your parasympathetic rebound is unwinding you and you can like put your red lights on and just like wind down into the evening, turn off all the bright lights, and then you just sleep like a rock. Mm. Looking at my aura ring, I typically get about an hour more deep sleep and I fall asleep faster. My latency, wow. like, you know, it sucks if your latency is under seven minutes or whatever they say, but my latency is better, especially when I'm like tossing, turning, ruminating in my mind about whatever tomorrow holds. Yeah. So that feels like a win for autoimmune, for Hashi's women, for people who are 
navigating those spaces always. Sleep is, you know, it. So the two biggest struggles that I hear from the Hashi ladies are difficulty losing weight and extreme fatigue. Mm-hmm. How could this kind of cold plunging help with those symptoms? For sure. It's hard to hold on to your extreme fatigue for the moments around the ice plunge. <laughs> because that doesn't mean that like there there are times it will give you a big energy surge for about an hour or so. And that's some of that's parasympathetic rebound, like socialization and all that will kick in and bliss chemistry. But there are times that it's like, it's like great for someone who may be battling that to like try it on a weekend first, because there's also, there is a component of like the surf nap that can happen. Like if you're like feeling like you haven't been getting a lot of sleep and you have a parasympathetic rebound, it's downregulating your system and giving it the permission to get some rest. And let's say you just did it at noon because that's the time it worked for you. Maybe it would be a beautiful opportunity to take a bit of a nap in a way where your body's so relaxed. Now, not a nap that's so long, it's going to ruin your sleep at night and all of that, but maybe it's just like the time that it really needs that refreshment, right? Sitting and doing a meditation and getting a little dozy in it and all of that can be really great after. And, you know, just supporting that. The energy component is a real thing, of course, right? You're going to get that little boost of energy from it for a little bit after, an hour or so after. And the body composition piece is real, right? That's real. It's like so frustrating. I've females specifically that I work with that are on point with everything. And they're just like, I can't move the needle on the, I'm not a big believer in like the weight loss thing. Cause it's like, it's so shitty for us in the way that we look at ourselves in the world. But like, of course we do want to recomposition the body and put more muscle on and more muscle will help us hopefully lose a little bit more white fat. But when you get in the cold or, and when you get in the cold, you are boosting your mitochondrial function. And we have a couple of different types of fat on the body. The two that are talked about the most are white fat, typically the stuff. We need some, but we don't want it all usually. And we have brown fat. And they used to think brown fat, brown adipose tissue was something that we stopped making at like 20 years old. And really we just got in climate control. And so we find when like babies use brown fat and that's why they have it to be able to create, to, to regulate temperature. And so we make more brown adipose tissue by being in extreme heat or extreme cold. So saunas too, right? But I think there's a very, something that I feel like I prefer with the cold of people dealing with autoimmune versus like extreme heat. It's just not great for the system or it's not as good, I think, as cold. And the cold is such a temporary exposure. And I think people sometimes will sit in the sauna forever for a really long time. And then it becomes sort of like mimicking chronic cardio. Mm. So cold will boost this mitochondrial dense tissue, this fat in the body, that's brown fat. This is the fat we want, right? We want visceral fat as a fat that's around our organs. Awesome. We love that. We need that just a little bit to protect us, protect us, the organs and brown fat is really amazing because brown fat is more mitochondrially dense and helps us turn white fat into beige or brown, meaning it helps us burn white fat faster, recompositioning the body faster when we have more brown, brown fat tissue. We want mitochondrially dense, that's energy source, energy dense fat tissue on our body in order to keep us going strong. And typically it like sits around like the upper chest or like across your back. Like There's certain places that it's more dense mm-hmm. than others, but the cold exposure will boost that. That's in the research. That's what's happening to our fatty tissue. And that will give us more energy and 
also kick up cellular regulation. And the better our cells are talking to each other, the better they can work to heal things that are going on in the body that are not in an easeful state. Why would someone do cold, like a cold plunge versus like a cryo chamber? When I lived in LA, I was like, why would you do a cryo chamber? It's $65 for three minutes. Well, other than that, you're going to have like 12 friends over with 65 pounds of ice. I mean, $65 worth of ice and be like, just have at it. And you get like all these people healthy. I know when I look at it, you know, I spend a lot of time looking at the research around cold exposure and people who are sharing it, but it comes from like, I like a lot of Huberman, Huberman's work. There's a lot that's out there in the world. And it's, you know, this is the first thing I say at my Sherpa breath and cold instructor training is there's a ton of science out there all over the map right? It's someone that's like training left leg only in cold that's running water or it's ice cubes or it's chilled or it's right arm or it's tennis players or it's think about it It could be any temperature. It could be ice cubes. It could be running. It could be a stream. It's clinical environment or a non-clinical environment. It's it's typically men more than females, although you will get menopausal studies and don't get me started on that soapbox of how (laughs) women aren't in the research enough. And so the research is all over the place and surely we're going to discover more. People like Rhonda Patrick do a great job of sort of summarizing a lot of the research. Huberman puts it out into the world, like like gangbusters. Everyone seeing, you know, the world of Wim Hof has been really beautiful to rise the understanding around how we can boost our immune system. Like we inoculate stress and we boost our immune system. These are both really important pieces of the puzzle, especially when you're talking about stress as it correlates to glucose reaction in the body or downregulated bodies, meaning bodies that are in a state of calm or ease or socialization rest are recovering and sympathetically driven bodies are not recovering. So if we're in high states of stress, so we want to de-stress, we want to learn how to get better at managing stress when we are in any sort of state. Yeah. When you look at all this research and it's all over the place, it's like, how do we know where we go from here? So I just, I think it's important to sort of put that out there and say, there's a wide variety. All of that being said, when you look at the research, there's one thing that's clear and quite evident, even though there's not a lot of research around cryotherapy, and that is all of the long-term benefits and the biggest health boosts that we can receive for our bodies when it comes to mitigating dis-ease come in immersion. Deliberate cold exposure, DCE, or cold water immersion, CWI, which just means getting our bodies submerged in water. And that's like most of our body, not just an elbow, a foot, a toe, or cryotherapy, which I'm not knocking it. If the only access you have and where you want to start is cryo, awesome. Spend $65 or whatever it is on three minutes. It will help you sleep. It will help you with delayed onset muscle soreness from your fabulous kettlebell workouts that you're doing with Emily, all of this. And that's great. You can start there to get attenuated to it. But much like a cold shower, cryo is great and it can be fun and cold showers can be fun or scintillating and a good way to start. But if I'm going to expose myself to like three minutes of cold or being pelted with cold or steamed with cold, I'm like, let me just get in an ice bath and get 10x the benefits across the board. So it's like sort of how I made my decisions. And also I just prefer an ice bath over those things. Mm. It sounds crazy to anyone who's never gotten in cold before, who's like not used to sitting in there. But the reality is that you get adapted and you also like, I could think you get a little addicted to how it makes you feel like in a healthy way, right? In a healthy, yeah, it's exciting. It's an environment shift. And when your day is got highs and lows in it and big energy and low energy, and it's just a really nice state change you can create in a really short period of time. Yeah. How does the, how do you integrate the breath? Cause you said it's almost like a non-negotiable. It is non-negotiable. It's like critical. And I, when I interviewed Patrick McEwen, I have a podcast called Well Power, and I interviewed Patrick McEwen, who's like a breath nerd. <laughs> so he would say that too. 
And he works with a lot of athletes and he's quite, as a person, he's quite introverted. And he said, you know, extroverted breathing is getting all the spotlight right now. And it does, like it's it's sensational, it's fun on social. And, and I look, I love Wim. Wim Hof has changed the game for people getting in cold and people experiencing and exploring it. But, you know, a lot of what you see on social, this is certainly not his only direction around breath, but a lot of what you see for anyone in the cold is doing a lot of this like super ventilated, hyperventilative breathing style, which is also not great for stress if women are high, highly stressed. Also not great for mitigating autoimmune. It's like we're trying to keep get people's state calm. Well, I think it has its place for sure, and it can work. I like to downregulate people before they get in the cold. So they are meeting the cold with ease. They are inhaling easefully, gracefully, calmly as you can. Your first time you're going to be like, I'm faking it because mostly I'm in my head, but in through the nose for let's just say four and out through the nose for eight. So I'm working to get people to stand near the tub to breathe nasally. Now that would be like what Patrick would say is more introverted breathing. But what it's doing is it's like calming our nervous system state. And then if I do that for a minute or two before I get in, I know what I'm going to mirror when I get in or at least attempt to mirror. Because in the first moments you get in the cold, you're like, as soon as you can, how do you regulate down to nasal breathing? Like 2x breathing, we say. So in for a certain amount and then double the exhale out of the nose. Yeah. And I find that that works sort of the best to get people to get in, to stay in, to understand this really important point. If you take nothing else away from this podcast that Emily, Emily and I are talking about right now, know this about cold. We don't get into the ice bath to get good at taking ice baths or to be the best at it or the longest or the coldest or whatever. We get in the ice bath to get good at life, to get healthier, to understand how to manage stress better so that when the thing happens that is not expected, the breakup, the trauma, uh, you get fired from your job, the, I always say like the baby's in the road and the truck's coming and you have to go save it. (laughs) You know, the, the big stressor comes, you can be like, inhale through the nose, exhale through the nose, focus, go. And you have like, you've understood how to manage stress in that situation, because then you can keep a wide perspective and you can act quickly and you can get through it in a way that feels resilient versus being just like a nuthead, right? Ah, like, I don't know what I'm doing. Oh my God, I'm freaking out. I'm frozen. Yeah. And that's why we're doing this practice, right? To get ourselves healthy and to attenuate ourselves to stress so we can be resilient beings. Yeah. And well, your women and most women are, we're like, we need 45 minutes more of sleep a night. If you look at the research and we're like more susceptible to stress and anxiety and depression and like, okay, keep slamming it at us research, but it's true, right? We need to be able to mitigate stress better than male bodies. I think it's interesting because when I was introduced to it, it was the Wim Hof method. And coming from someone who sees patients all day in this sympathetic state and their ribs are flared or the back is cranked into extension, which is this primitive reflex that we default into when we're in that sympathetic overdrive. I was like, why are we just amping this up even more? Mm -hmm. Why aren't we getting people to exhale twice as long as their inhale to put them in the parasympathetic through the learning process, my own personal learning process, there was like, I was like, this doesn't make sense. And there was kind of a rebellion to it because Mm -hmm. from a mental perspective, I'm like, this doesn't make sense. Everyone's walking around in sympathetic overdrive anyway. But I love that it's like bringing ease before the immersion piece. And I think it's important, you know, I tell all the women in Thyroid Strong, like we do the hard things to get better in those moments that are really hard, right? Where you're like, Mm -hmm. oh, I have to move or there's a death or my kid's acting like a crazy person. And again, (laughs) again, (laughs) for the millionth time. And, you know, my avenue is picking up something heavy. And I love this alternate avenue 
of doing something hard that also has that kind of blissful chemical feeling after. Yeah, for sure. Both of those things, both lifting heavy weights and getting in the cold have such mood boosting effects and can totally change your day. And that's also because you can change your nervous system tone, right? As you, cause you come off a, it's really good at the end of a workout, right? To lay down and do some nasal breathing, just like that same two X styles, you're downregulating and setting yourself into recovery. Then you can really feel the effects of your nervous system shift and the emotional chemicals are still there from the boost. And then you're like, I'm calm and joyful. And you know what? If your nervous system is calm and you're feeling a little joyful, your entire emotional state, your entire energy profile can shift and you can feel really, really differently. I mean, it's why I got into this is because I feel like it shifted the state of being and the way that I manage stuff. Are we going to wait around for these things to just like hit us in the face? Are we going to practice, right? Because we're only going to be as good in the real circumstance. We're only going to be like half as good in the real circumstance that just like comes out of nowhere versus when we're like practicing it. So we might as well get so good that half as good is better than most everybody else. Yeah. And then it's like, we're ready. We're like ready for action. 100%. And the lifting, I love what you do with the women and lifting. I think there's something else about, I got to go to the gym for 60 minutes and just like, I, I don't know. Like it's, it's not that. It can be that, but it also doesn't have to be that, right? The context of having what you do with kettlebells and in a home environment and on your back deck or with the baby on board or the kid on your leg or whatever. It's like, if we could just weave that into our lives, right? Skipping the gym for two weeks in a row because you don't have an hour to go and 15, like an hour to be there and 15 minutes to drive each way is not the answer. Our capacity shifts when we're like, hey, what's good enough? Let's not let perfect or whatever we think is perfect or whatever the men are doing. No offense, men love you, males. But let's not let that be the marker of success only because we also learn this other thing as females and the women you're working with, which is many of us have either a reproductive cycle, you know, hormonally every month, or we have, or and we have at some point in our lives, we have a life cycle. We're going through perimenopause. We're going through all this other stuff that it starts to affect these organs in our bodies as well. It's like, what's so beautiful about your programming is there's no, you know, I love bro culture as much as the next. I couldn't, I love to be alpha. And also we are equally sensitive as we are powerful. And that is the thing that has been ignored for far too long when it comes to specifically females, right? Men are like, yeah, yeah, we're sensitive, but mostly we're powerful. And we're going to teach everybody to be powerful like us. And the women, we've been suffering for it. And it's, it's, it's a superpower to be sensitive. Like fuck what anyone says that it's not it's weak or whatever. Yeah. So your women get to like think and feel hopefully intuitively plus, okay, I'm going to do the work because Emily says I need to do the work. They combo that to say, okay, great. What is my in- intuition and my body really need? And that the more that they do that, the more our capacity grows, the more that our health, you know, our bodies heal. Yeah. It's so cool. There really is a very bro culture around both lifting and cold immersion. <laughs> There is. I'm trying to change that. It's interesting in my instructor training, a lot of my sessions, I would say it's probably 60, 70% females. And especially the instructor trainings, men will call and say, is it, are males allowed? Is it just a female thing? And I'm like, of course men are allowed. Like this is, I, I want, it takes all kinds. I'll take every kind of body, no matter what your hormone profile, whether it's exogenous or it's yours, you're born that way or not, I don't care. Like let's get in the cold and let's understand how to manage stress in our, yeah. whatever physique we're dealing with. Yeah. What is the literature state about, because I know there's an element of reduction in inflammation and obviously with Hashimoto's is an inflammatory component, also joint pain. Like what's the research around cold immersion and those two issues? 
So yeah, joints, we see things, super positive effects from cold exposure for sure, mobility and whatnot. The inflammation thing is really, I don't want to say that it's controversial. It's not controversial. I think in the, in the overall scheme of things, it can reduce inflammation. When you look at a lot of uh, the studies that have been done, it's in the instance that you're doing it, right? I, I think, and some women will come to me too and be like, I'm inflamed or I'm bloated, which isn't always the real case. But like, so I have my period and it's, I don't want to go in. And, when, and I'm like, this is the time actually to go in. We can feel a lot better. We can feel a bit like tighter, leaner. And, and it's not about less weight. It's just less inflamed when we get out because we are cold because our bodies are, are vasoconstricting. But the inflammation, I think while it is a thing, it has been sort of overblown. It's a regular practice over time can decrease overall inflammation in the body because you're upregulating your cells. Uh, Mike T. Nelson is a guy. I just, I love him. I've never met him in person, but we do a lot of DMing and emailing back and forth with research. Every time I see anyone post research, I'm like, can you send me that study? And I want to read it. And what else do you know? And what about women? And is it all men? And, and probably annoying some people out there, but Mike T. Nelson is not ever annoyed by the hundreds of times that I write him and say, what about this? Well, what about that? Well, what about my left nostril in the cold? Like whatever. And he's always great about sharing that info. And he has a lot of great insight into this inflammation, inflammatory markers piece that it is helping over the long haul, but it is not like one ice bath isn't going to like change the game completely. That's like most people talk about inflammation reduction. It, it can happen. It's just not as um, prevalent as social media would let you believe. Do you have a favorite brand? Let's say more like the budget friendly end, right? Mm -hmm. For women who are like, I want to do it. And maybe it's like they just do it in the bathtub with some bags of ice delivered with Instacart so they don't have to haul it in. <laughs> oh, good idea. That's great. Why couldn't you have called me like seven years ago? Oh, it hasn't been that long. It's LA. So five and a half years ago, you could have <laughs> called me and been like, just get Instacart. Although I did get ice delivered for when I would have big days where I'd be getting like 300 pounds of ice delivered. Yeah. And here's the thing. The delivery pays for it to my door, which is on the ground floor. And my ice bath is on the roof. Oh, yeah. oh, and yeah. the guys would be like, uh, uh, that's I'm not. And I would have to always like either tip them a lot extra or they'd be like, literally, there were guys that were like, Nana, have a good day. <laughs> and so make sure your Instacarter will like come up the stairs. Like when we live in the fifth floor, walk up in New York City and you're like, please, Mr. Grocery Man, deliver the groceries, a grocery woman, whatever delivery person. Yeah. Can you deliver the groceries? I'll tip you an extra five bucks if you per flight. <laughs> no one wants to do that. No one's yeah. carry up the stairs. But yes, that's it. I think from a brand standpoint, there's a couple of ways to slice it. Let's just talk about like three tiers of budget. That's like very self home made type deal. Yep. Maybe you only have a shower and maybe you have a bathtub. It's easy just to do ice in a bathtub and do the best you can. Yep. Um, th this is a big question I get too, which is like how much ice. And so it's as much as you can kind of get and afford and whatever works in a budget. It's probably not what you have in your freezer, although you can totally start with what you have in your freezer. You're going to need at least 80 pounds of ice really to kind of temp it down, especially if you live in like Arizona in the summer and the water out of the faucet is warm. There is, you know, use your bathtub or like, I, I really think the easy fun thing to do is like even just once a week, happy hour, Friday, happy hour, ice and breath or something at your house, get your friends to all bring a bag of ice or um, have some delivered, Instacarted, whatever. And you can get an, a Rubbermaid tub or a metal trough. I say Rubbermaid tub because it's empty. It's more easy to move. A metal trough is like, if you have a place, you're going to put it and keep it. Those will run you under $200 and then you just have a big old tub and you can use it and drain it and all that pretty easily. And that's that's not so expensive, right? That's like a good way to be like, okay, let's start and see. And then if you're only using it like twice a month, you don't feel guilty about spending money on it. Is a metal trough like 
from Walmart? Is this like a local (laughs) tractor supply company? No affiliation. I should have an affiliation. (laughs) I should be like, here's my link for tractor supply company. Lord knows they send me enough emails because I buy all over the country. Tractor supply company is amazing. And there's so many of them. They also, for an extra like 50 bucks, will deliver the tub to your house. So you can get from them either a Rubbermaid tub. You want at least, I would just say get 150 gallon tub maybe 200 gallons if you want to get crazy. Anything bigger than that, you're going to start to put multiple people in and your ice, you'll have, you'll have a lot of ice you need. 150 gallon to 200 gallon tub. 150 is kind of the sweet spot for starters. You can get that to deliver it or buy it there. Fit it if you can fit it in your car. And then uh, Rubbermaid makes a black tub. Amazon Prime doesn't do it, sadly. <laughs> I've like checked. <laughs> like the shipping costs more than the tub. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but you can do that with like a couple of the other, like any feed or supply, if any, any farm equipment store typically has, these are troughs that animals use to graze or drink water out of. The great thing about them all is they typically have a drain valve on the bottom. So if, you, if you're out in your grass or something, you can just like pull the stopper and then the water will drain out. You don't have to worry about like siphoning it or getting it out in any other way. So that's like level, I guess that's level one cost affiliation. And then if you really start to fall in love with it, the next place most people go is to the um, chest freezer conversion. Uh, my friend, John Richter, who actually is here in Austin, ironically, I'm like, this is the why the universe brought me to Texas. It's like lots of ice people, cold plunging people here. John Richter wrote a, uh, it's like a 15 or $20 ebook that is called, I think it's chestfreezercoldplunge.com. If you Google it or Google John Richter, you'll get him. It's the best $20 you'll ever spend if you're trying to convert a chest freezer because John has been through it. He's been doing this for five plus years. He's converted so many different freezers and he made all the mistakes in the beginning, all the way down from like, you have to seal. This is a top opening meat freezer like you'd imagine in a store that you can buy like typically like under $600. You find a lot of them that are like great condition on like Craigslist, whatever. But the one thing you have to do is you need to seal it. You need to seal the seams. And there's specific seals that work. And then there's specific ones that don't. So if you try to like caulk it with your shower stuff, like it's just some stuff doesn't last or work. So all of that's in his book, which is really amazing. And you can start stacking things into it like a nerd as much as you want. Filtration or ozone. Ozone's amazing to clean these things because then you don't have to go crazy. And coming off of COVID, people will want to go, hey, how do I keep it clean for a bunch of friends? All you have to do is put like a third of a cup, quarter of a cup, something like that in 150 gallons, only a little bit of food grade hydrogen peroxide. Please be mm-hmm. careful. It is can burn your burn. skin. It's not the yeah. hydrogen peroxide we use in the store. You put a little bit of that in and then dilution and everything will make it so it's just keeping it a little bit cleaner. Uh, antibacterial anyway. Some people will use a little vinegar. Some people will use um, Epsom salt. Don't use the kind. If you're using anything that's like a chest freezer or something you're going to have for a long time, don't use the scented kind. You start to get like oils and slippery, stinky stuff all over. And all of that can help. Typically, you're draining those things. So it's not a, a massive deal. A chest freezer conversion, you probably have to drain like once a month unless you're using it a lot. Change the water. Uh, once a month. And all those chest freezers have drain plugs on the bottom. So you can just drain it out easily under a thousand bucks. Um, unless you want to get like a huge fancy one. I don't know. You're like, I you go to the restaurant supply store and you're like, give me your best chest freezer. From there, you go to an ice barrel. That's kind of the next $2,500 range. Saves a lot of space. Ice barrel. But you can't lay in it. You have to like squat in it. You climb up in a little ladder and you get in it and it's like super easy. Who wants to like relax? And I'm always like, sit down, have a pina colada. No one wants to relax in the ice barrel anyway. <laughs> so um, it's great for space saving if you just have like a balcony or a small backyard or you're in a, a, a duplex or a complex that has like a balcony and, and no backyard or no 
no space, right? And you put it outdoors somewhere and you can just use that with ice. Uh, it's about, I think it's like 1200 bucks for an ice barrel, but uh, we do a lot of, my partner and I will do a lot of conversions on those where you like drill a little hole and you have an inline and you can filter the water and you can ozonate it and you can do all that under 2,500 bucks so that it's like much more self-sufficient and clean and organized and you don't have to mess around with ice ever, right? When you get a chiller and you run a chiller into anything, or if you use a chest freezer, it's keeping it cold. That's the, the hardest work here is getting the ice. If you don't have like an ice machine, a bit, I mean, an ice machine, like an ice machine, right, right. 50 pounds a day. Yeah. So there's all of those. And then you start to get into like the gangbusters. If you're like, I love this practice, it's changing my life, which by the way, it can autoimmune conditions, weight issues, glucose issues, all of these things are really can be so supported by cold exposure, like your chemistry of your body, the confidence level you walk into the room with it all can be your sleep your energy can all be affected by cold. But I always, I'm like, don't go out and spend 10 grand on something until you know that you like it enough to do it. Because if you don't do it, it becomes a really expensive clothes rack uh, or whatever. <laughs> you know, your kids' pool toys are on it and then you're like, yay. But then you get into like the high cost range, you know, you're easily spending five grand or more, five to $20,000 on a, a unit that's going to be wonderfully like self-filtering, self-chilling. You change the water a couple times a year or once a quarter and that's it. And it's all amazing. And um, it costs quite a bit of money. So, you know, I saved for mine and I use it with clients and it made sense to get it. Yeah. There's a, a lot of brands out there. There's the Plunge. I have a Morosco Forge. There's a Odin, which I really love. And they're out of Australia. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of brands out there that are, that are Renew makes a great tub. So many, not just one. There's a lot now. And I always, yeah. people will send them to me or I talk to these companies all the time and know a lot of the owners and founders and builders and whatnot. If you're looking for a chiller, this is a good point for any nerds and then I'll stop nerding out about all the technical stuff. But if you're looking for a chiller, there's like really only one company I've found on the market that really can cut it because the chillers quite often are meant to be used for other things. So you want at least a half, probably one horsepower chiller from Penguin. They really, they get the, they can make the, making it cold again. Like it works, it cycles it, it keeps it cold. I'm in Austin. So my partner had to go through a few like chiller fails before we figured it out because it's hot in the summer, right? So how do you keep it at like 40 degrees when it's sitting? out in the sun. So penguin chillers, we really like, again, like not a lot of affiliation. The penguin team now has a page. It's like penguin.com forward slash probably beautifully broken, like my partner's podcast or something that you could just look and it's a setup. It's like buy the things and you get a kit and then you get your ice barrel or whatever you're doing. And you just haul that chiller into your, into your future healthy self. <laughs> yeah. I've heard that ice barrels coming out with like ice barrel 2.0, where they're integrating a chiller and a... Yes, that's what we are waiting for. They're integrating a chiller and I think they're going to make it insulated in a slight... It's not insulated now. Mm. It will sweat, but the new one may be insulated. I can't get quite all the tea from them. I'm trying to, you know, I'm trying to get all the dirt on these things, but yeah, yeah they're working diligently on that. And then also there's like a wild amount of companies doing inflatables for like events and races and whatever. And it's all portable. I have not yet found the company that has the thing that I want, which is a, a chiller that fits in an overhead compartment in an airplane. <laughs> so if you're out there and you're Must working on this, can you please make one that fits in the overhead compartment so I can literally carry everything on like a weirdo? Because <laughs> I think one of the most important pieces we're not talking about, which is even outside of all the techie stuff, which you and I really love, is the training is sharp of breath and cold is training yeah. how to know when the turnover is know what the minimum effective dose is know how to regulate your breath all those things mm -hmm. so do you have some local trainings coming up or 
States. Yeah, I've, run, I've been tra- running trainings like once a month. It continues to grow. By 2023, I'll have some other trainers that I work with. I, just, I bring on board like master trainers for this. I hate to call it a method, right? This is what everyone's like, oh, it's the Sherpa method. It's like, here's the thing. I saw a gap in the marketplace for a little bit for women and a lot of it for it's this style and that style. And like, great. I'm so happy for people to have a ton of breath styles and a ton of cold exposure, like styles that they lean towards. What I couldn't find was one, number one, one community session where I could get a bunch of people together and we could talk about different ways to do it and and play with different ways to do cold and to do breath. What about the element of play and fun? That sounds like it would be important in life. And then also from an instructor standpoint with coaches and And I have people like sauna company owners and cold exposure coaches from other methods and uh, trauma therapists and massage therapists and so many different CrossFit coaches, so many different styles of coaches that want to layer this into their tool belt as an additional tool that can change lives and change perspective and get people to adhere to other things they're doing in life. And just like anything else we fall in love with, the health space tends to be if we have another health tool that we fall in love with, lots of other areas of our life start to get healthier. And that's kind of cool. But what I saw as a big gap was like, where's someone that's like, hey, I want to go because you know this about me. I was like traveling around the world training like cardio drumming and doing all this other like with pound and all these other things and yoga assisting and adjusting. And what I saw a lot of times in breath and cold was where's the course that I can go to for a weekend, even if I'm a newbie and understand how to like by the time I'm done with the course with a little bit of practice and prep build a safe, fun, and effective class. I know exactly how to do that. Like the tactics to get that done. And also the class in that same weekend, right? We're all short on time in that same weekend, be like, what and how do I use breath work styles and nervous system understanding to build that? So that I'm not just providing this like fun experience and I don't know why scientifically, and I'm not just using one style. Like this is not the Kristen Weitzel method. Sherpa is a beautiful term that like the universe gave me People kept saying in the last year or so since I moved to Austin, will you Sherpa me through the ice? Will you Sherpa me through the cold? And I finally was like, I've been doing this for six years. I better name this. It's like, it has to have a name, a business or whatever. But it's also an acronym, right? So it's surrender, history. Don't forget that we're not the first people to like breathe or get in cold. It's been doing, people are doing it for thousands of years. Exposure, which is typically cold exposure, although I do do heat exposure. Respiration, that's the breathing part. Performance because this is one thing we haven't talked about a lot and isn't as applicable to mitigating disease in some ways, but performance, because I do use it with athletes, UFC, CrossFitters, people working on in the marathon circuit, et cetera. And then A, the biggest thing besides surrender in my mind is adaptation. We're doing all this to adapt to our circumstances. And so I wanted to be able to wrap that all up in a beautiful bundle in a weekend People are like, whoa, I got Kristen for 16 hours over two days. I'm good for a while. (laughs) That people leave and they're like, okay, I get it. I get breath. I get cold. I can do the thing that Kristen Weitzel, I was never getting this in in, in many of my trainings in life, which is what's the context? Who's my audience? How do I apply it to my audience? And is it just woo or is it just science? Like, are you giving me reasons? You know, XPT was great for that. They were one of the earlier people that certified me. And Patrick McEwen is a mentor of mine. And so many people, but getting out and then using my one special gift, which is like, I have spent my life's work in whatever industry I am in taking the really like highfalutin protocols or thoughts or plans and translating them so that it could be applicable to human beings, right? I did that in the liquor industry with marketing plans. I did that in health space. I did that in cleanses. I did that in fitness. I'm doing that in breath and cold. And it's like, look at how popular breath and cold is. We might as well all get really 
a really good baseline. And that's what that whole training is about for like men, women, coaches, or newbies. It's a weekend filled <laughs> with your creating capacity that you can go change other people's lives. Because if I'm going to get millions of people healthy, I can't do it alone. I need, I need help. Love it. Where can people find you? Where can people find the trainings? I want to go. Sign me up. Sharepoint. I mean, anytime you're ready. I do them once a month. The next one, who knows when this will launch, but like um, one is coming up in North Carolina. Excited. Week before Thanksgiving. Then I'll see my mom and put her in cold. She'll be so pissed off. She's always <laughs> like, what crazy health practice are you bringing my way this time? And then I'm so thankful I mentioned this to you before we started that Maui is in December. I feel so lucky I get to do this work in general. And then how lucky do, am I to be able to what a gift to be able to go to Maui, do it at Level Up Fitness. One of my most favorite places in the world, Maui. And then next year, more is coming. There's like um, Indonesia. It's like having I'm in wow. conversations with Indonesia and Israel. This is like I'm doing all the eyes. What's that book where she travels around <laughs> to teach her life to all the eye countries? More in the US, Houston, yeah. Canada. I was up in Toronto. I'll go back to Toronto next year. That was super fun. Worked with other ships. From a logistical perspective, how do you get baths there? Are they shipped to the... Like uh, I had the beauty of working at the other ship space in Toronto. They already had like a, an incredible custom ice bath up there built in. And when I'm in CrossFit gyms or I'm in yoga studios or I just, I set it all up so that I'm tractorsupplycompany.com. <laughs> Here we come. Tractor, I, I have it <laughs> delivered or I have a Rubbermaid tub set, either ice delivered or like sometimes I'm up at the crack of dawn and I'm like at the grocery store loading ice into my car or whatever. And it's just stack it high, watch it fly. <laughs> and then, and then it's there, you know, and like every day we just, I just did it up in Connecticut at this open sky yoga bar. And it was so beautiful. It was such a great group of people. And they're like, we got a, I got a 170 gallon tub, like Rubbermaid set up. And then I just got up every morning and went and got a little bit of coffee, a little bit of ice, a lot of bit of ice. Yeah. It's always fun to watch the people who are in the grocery. I like wheel a cart in and I'm like, I'm here to get like 250 pounds of ice. What do you got in the back? <laughs> And they're like, do you need help with that, ma'am? Always. They always ask me and I'm always like, no, this is amazing. I love to like schlep an ice bag. People in the parking lot are like, are you okay? Are you having a party? I'm like, yeah, we're having a party. Come over. I'm going to put you in a tub of ice. So it's like, you know, to be a trendsetter in your neighborhood, Hashi's ladies. <laughs> Where can people find you? Social avenues. Warrior Woman Mode. Those my women's programs are called typically Warrior Woman Mode. That's so my Instagram handle. It will never go away, I think, because I run into people all the time in conferences and stuff. And they're like, Warrior Woman Mode. They don't even know my name. They just like yell out in my face. And I'm like high-fiving them. And it's so alpha and fun. <laughs> and then, it used to be Hurricane. People are like, Hurricane. It used to be Hurricane. But then people were like just a little bit tentative about getting to be my friend. <laughs> <laughs> they weren't all as adventurous as you. <laughs> And then SherpaBreathAndCold.com. It's totally built out, which is super exciting. And I run this, I run community sessions. I run private sessions. People are now hiring me. I just went to Denison University. It was excellent and trained 80 of the swim team there on breath and how to work for breathing. Again, like what you said earlier, that's so smart. If we're over sympathetically breathing ourselves, but we're a swimmer, right? Context, here it is again, mm -hmm. everything. We calm our state. We have to learn how to be better at breath holding, right? Because the least amount of breaths we take under the water while we are soft and easeful in the water, the faster our time can be. And if I can get two seconds off my time, I can win. Like, And that's 
a big deal. So universities now are, are saying, hey, come into us. And I went and I had this amazing opportunity with the incredible coaching staff there to sit for two and a half hours, breathe the coaching staff, <laughs> whether they liked it or not. I was like, everybody on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> and then to breathe with the men's and the women's team. And it's just like, it's transformational. There are no two practices I've ever applied, no two modalities I have ever applied in my life that are as transformational and as efficiently transformational as breath and cold exposure. And that doesn't mean anybody gets out of strength training, by the way. <laughs> Everyone still has to lift heavy shit. But it's just once you like learn how your nervous system responds and how you can build mastery and breath work specifically and also cold, everything changes. Amazing. And you have a podcast. I have a podcast. It's called Wellpower. Yeah. And I just interview a bunch of people and a lot of people in the biohacking space. I'm a little known for like being the crazy biohacking female. And so I interview people all walks of life. I mean, I just, I did an episode called Biohacking BDSM this year. We talked a lot about sex positive behavior and Patrick McEwen, who doesn't want to talk about anything related to sex at all. <laughs> we breath and then yeah people from from all over i just interviewed a, a guy who's writing music that everybody can use in the healing space to make more money with without getting you know in trouble by all of the copyright agencies and a lot of a lot of women's health stuff too but you know just across the board anything that feels like good and interesting and ways to boost our brain chemistry nootropics is like my hot topic now nice so yeah very cool i love that and listener we should have brought this up very first thing is like you and i met at a life coaching seminar that was all about keeping in integrity mm -hmm. and they were all about like promises and consequences and i was like i hate consequences what's this bs this. but what a great come full circle that it's like being in integrity and doing the hard thing and getting out of this culturally soft place of like oh we can get an orange any time of year and yeah. we're always around like 75 degrees and you know doing yeah. the hard things and staying in integrity from an action oriented perspective. I love it. Yeah. I was like coming over to you asking for all of the supplementation advice. And now people are like, Kristen will not shut up about supplements. <laughs> what's L-glutamine? I'll tell you what's L-glutamine. I'm like, L-glutamine? That's more. I still, <laughs> to this day, I'm in it to win it with L-glutamine. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I think, A, I can't wait to go to a Sherpa breath and cold. <laughs> Listen, anyone you want to come to, you just write me an email and then all you have to do is fly there. Nothing else. I'll take care of all the other details for you. You are always welcome. Even if it's sold out, I'm making you fit. <laughs> And then hopefully the Hashi ladies will start to gradually, maybe they get in their tub with some ice. Maybe they just like finish their day with a cold shower. Yeah, which is totally great. If you enjoyed this episode or even learned just one new piece of information to help you on your Hashimoto's journey, would you do me a huge favor? Rate and review Thyroid Strong Podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or whatever platform you used to listen in to this podcast and share what you liked. Maybe you learned something new. And if you didn't like it, well, shoot me a DM on Instagram, Dr. Emily Kybird. I read and respond to every single DM. I truly believe all feedback is good feedback, even the ugly comments. If you're interested in joining the Thyroid Strong course, a home workout program using kettlebells and weights, where I teach you how to work out without the burnout, go to dremilykybird.com forward slash TS waitlist. You'll get all the most up-to-date information on when the course launches and goes live, special deals and early access bonuses for myself, 
and my functional medicine doctor friends. Again, dremilykyber.com forward slash TS waitlist. I hope to see you on the inside, ladies. <laughs>